Welcome back to Down for the Count, ladies and gents. I am one-fourth of your co-hosts, and on behalf of Alexis, Nicole, and Janae, we'd like to welcome you back to our show. So this week, we're going to start off with our full gear review. We're going to talk about the matches. We're going to talk about what we thought about it. We got some good and some bad stuff we're going to say. We, you know, we try to be fair. We are fair with our reviews. So you guys sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this episode of Down for the Count. And don't worry, the wrestling news recap is coming very, very soon. So we'll see you guys in there. So AEW Full Gear happened this weekend. And from what I saw, it came to rave reviews. Everybody pretty much liked the show. I didn't see anything where people were bashing it or mad about it other than I saw a couple of people upset about FTR and their match and um, I think the people making a big at Reggie Hardy for um, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara's deletion match. So I didn't watch it. I didn't get to see it. I only went by the reviews on several different sites that are reputable. Did you? Did any of you guys watch it? I didn't get a chance to watch it because I literally worked all day. I watched the. Well, I I watched the. I, why did I keep wanting to call him Jericho? I watched the Hangman and the. Um, Kenny Omega match. Which mm-hmm. I'm glad that came first because my because I was just so tired and I also. And no offense to wrestling, but I felt like it was more important. It was more important for me to like watch the first transition of power between within like our leadership in this country than watch fucking full gear. So I, I yeah, was, I would. I was not really over. I was not really pressed to watch it right then and there. I was like, I can watch it sometime this week because I have this weekend off I was like I'm not pressed about it but I was like I'll look and see I was like I'll look and see which match is on hopefully it's a match that I I was the card looked really good I was like but that was and I don't know if we talked about this in the last episode or just in the group chat but this was like the match I was looking forward to I know everyone was hyped for the Moxley and um Eddie Kingston, and I was more excited for Eddie Kingston than to watch Mox, so I wasn't, like, completely invested, even though it was a good storyline. I was like, no, I gotta watch Hangman and Kenny, and it was first two, and I was like, bet this is what I'm gonna watch tonight, I'm done. And it was really, it was, of course, it was good. They have amazing chemistry together. Um, Kenny won, which makes him the number one contender, so this is me playing elite um, devil's advocate, surprisingly. I like Kenny Omega when he's the cleaner. He's 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 halfway getting there, so I'm okay with him taking the title off of Mox. If he was like Kenny, regular Kenny, I'd be like, no, get in the back of the line, even though you're in your spot, but get back in the line. Yeah, I was like in and out. I was like in and out. I didn't watch it all the way through. Um, cause I was working on other stuff, but also from what I was seeing too, like as a, as a pay-per-view as a whole, um, it, I didn't see any bad reviews from the little stuff that I saw. It wasn't a bad pay-per-view to me. Um, the Kenny Omega hangman page match, it delivered and it's good. Like you put that on, you know, you put that on first, so you kind of like set the tone for the rest of the pay-per-view. The only like small things that I saw from people that um, were kind of, and they weren't really big on the the women's um, match. Um, well, both of them, just because they wanted more of a build with Nyla and Sheeta, um, and then the whole like NWA title thing and Serena Dev. They said that match didn't like really really deliver. Um, and then for the FTR Young Bucks match. They said um, a lot of people were saying like the match was still good, but it wasn't what, you know, they thought they, it wasn't what they were, what they thought they were going to get. They thought it would be a little bit more. And that the stipulation that um, the Young Bucks made where, you know, you can never challenge for the tag team titles anymore if you lose um, kind of stipulation wasn't needed 
for that match because you know you basically said we're going to we're going to win um but as a pay-per-view as a whole everyone enjoyed it again from what i saw um it wasn't it wasn't horrible um and then they did like a, a media scrum with you know all the wrestlers and tony Khan, so you can like ask them a bunch of questions and um they brought up like really good questions for him to answer so like it wasn't a bad pay-per-view like it was it was really good so Alexis, what did you think about Full Gear? Did you watch it, or you just have some opinions on some stuff that happened on the show? I have opinions, whether y'all like them yourself or not, I don't care. (laughs) So, Omega's going to be the guy who takes the belt off of Mox. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to have to accept it. Does that mean I'm going to have to do this sober? Whoa. Because I will be drunk that day. Very, very much. But my thing is now, their next pay-per-view is not till probably after Mania season, right? That's where it's revolution. Which I'm I'm actually excited for. I'm hoping I'm excited for a reason. Because that was my favorite. That's my favorite favorite pay-per-view of theirs so far. To me, that was their last consistently good all through the cards. So it'll only be like, what, like two months? Am I like doing it right? Yeah, like two and a half months would be a good time to build the cleaner and mocks. Yeah, but you know, they have to do it this way. They have to keep the non-qualification shit out of it because Mox doesn't just need to be a hardcore wrestler like every fucking time I turn around. It needs to be a good match because last time Omega and Mox went at it, people were shitting on that match so bad. Because remember, that's when Mox got injured. Lost all when that feud started going on, lost all momentum, and it's no shade to Moxley because we all know he's had issues with his elbow because of that infection. That thing just went to shit, and then when they try to do it, everyone's just like, There's there's nothing here. Like there's nothing fucking here. We're just watching two guys beat the shit out of each other, which I have no problem watching two guys beat the shit out of each other, but sometimes I just need a little bit of story to go behind it. Um, I don't like the fact that in this, again, anything that I I said is no shade or anger or hatred to any of these men and women because they're doing their fucking job right now. Why are you building up the NWA's women's division when you need to focus on your own women's division? You know, the one that you, and this, I, I love Thunder Rosa. I love Serena Deb. I love, I love women wrestling. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't shit on it because they're, they're living my dream. They're doing something I would have killed to do and still do in my thirties. But I know if I take one hit, I'm just, I'm just laying on that mat and I'm staying there. I'll be like, no, I'm good. Just, just pin me. Just, I'll let you know when I feel my feet again. Like I'll let you just, just shove me under the mat. I'm good. Um, but you you're promoting NWA's women's division when you said two fucking years ago and it's been two years since that press conference or at least it feels like it that you're you said right out of the gate your women's division is going to explode and put any other division to shame in any other company here we are a year later since you've been on tv we haven't seen Sheeta in well, no, I saw her in one squash match. But then it's like you start you start showing Thunder Rosa, you start showing Serena Deb, and now it's like NWA women are taking over. Meanwhile, you have a locker room full of great female talent, and the joke is you know it's 9:30 when the women's match happens on Dynamite. Mm. You have amazing female talent back there, but you're just sleeping on them. What the fuck are you doing? I want to say something. I want to say something so bad right now, but we made that promise. 
No, because it's something we promised a certain someone I wouldn't say out loud ever about a certain person in AEW. Y'all remember now? Yeah. Yeah, I can't say it out loud because this woman scares me and I don't want her to beat my ass. Um, but it's just like it. I, I'm I'm okay. Okay, now here's the big one. Here's the big one. Darby Allen is the new TNT champion. That's way too many T's for me to say in that full title's name, so I'm just going to call it TNT champion. I get it. Darby was injured. I understand that. Please tell me, while the whole time he was injured, they built up this storyline with Cody versus Orange Cassidy that had people attached to watching it. People wanted to watch this. Do you have a regular match on Dynamite? And it was actually really good. And then you have a Lumberjack match, which is a special stipulation match. And if memory serves me right, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, you only use a lumberjack match to keep your opponent from running away from you because more than likely there are guys outside that ring that hates them more than you do at that point. Am I right? Usually, yeah. Okay. You have you have the heels, you have the faces. The faces always beat up the heels. The heels always beat up the faces. It's supposed to keep your dude in the ring so they can't run out, keep running in and out, whatever. Now. Don't you usually have a match like that once you have a heated feud going on? You always, I mean, throw, yeah. Okay, you always throw. Part, yeah. There, there's always a stipulation match somewhere along the line. You build up this storyline of Orange Cassidy after coming off of beating Jericho clean. That was his last big thing, beating Jericho clean. He loses in the Lumberjack match. He loses in a match where he could have won by one second. And the only reason I remember that is because the fucking announcers drill that home every two fucking goddamn seconds. I know I'm cussing a lot, but I'm sorry. But every fucking time, it's like, he could have been champ if he was just in one more second, one more second. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, I shouldn't have to... You know, I don't need to know this every five minutes. I should know what a top, a top weight suicida bullshit thing is either. Thanks, Excalibur. Um, <laughs> but you, you build up this storyline. Uh, I'm, I'm, let me get serious again. You build up this storyline with Orange Cassidy. People are into it. People are getting emotionally involved, which you want that. In a wrestling feud, you want people entertained. People were getting entertained by this. Twitter was going off loving this because they're just like, Cassidy is getting what, you know, he's getting the attention he deserves. He's hot right now in AEW. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, and I get it, Darby's number one contender, okay? I'm not taking away anything from him. But meanwhile, he's setting his ass up in the rafters like the sad emo crow and he's just sitting there watching it and i know you guys told me they're like well you know he was injured and blah blah blah. i'm like okay well i understand he's injured he was injured he could have been cutting promos he could have been doing something he could have been playing mind games with cody he could have been doing something you know instead of just sitting there hugging his little skateboard and looking like a hot topic reject. That's what I, because that's just what I'm was trying to get at. And then he wins, and you're just like, well, wait, what the what the fuck? We just had this great feud with Cassidy. It was a mini feud, a micro feud, a mini, a micro feud. And then you just kind of, you just give it to, to Darby. And I, you know, I understand that Darby was supposed to win the title before he got hurt. But from a casual, just listen, a casual fan's point of view, 
if you were watching AEW and you thought there was just this great feud going on between Orange and Cody, and then they just give the belt to Darby, it's just kind of like, wait, what the fuck did I miss? Because I, I, okay, I did not watch AEW last week, and or you know when Halloween Havoc was going on, so I have been slipping. But it's just like, what the hell are you doing? Because now, and I'm almost done. But because that's just that just confused the hell out of me. Why are you going to build so much emotion up with this this micro feud you have with Cassidy? Give the belt to Darby. Have Brian Cage jump Darby after the match, and you put Cassidy on the buy-in show with some dude from Dark Order, and now you have the Young Bucks who are going to be champs for a while. You're going to have Omega take the title off of Mox. If it's not going to be at Revolution, it will be on a TV show leading up to it. One of those two is going to happen because titles are known to change on Dynamite TV. You have all that going on. So you're going to have the elite have the goals. Cody, I don't know what the hell Cody's going to be doing. He said he's supposed to be going off the screen. I doubt that. But it's just like, what the hell are you doing? And then you didn't have anything for your own fucking women's division. So you slap dash. I didn't even know this damn match was happening until I saw on Twitter the whole card on it. Was slap dash together. You just put Nyla versus Sheeta again. No build up. You just be like, oh, they, they fought each other before. But just throw them in there. But what the fuck? Like, and I'm. What the fuck is going on with your fucking writing? That's where I'm just like, if you wanted, if he was supposed to lose the title to Darby, why get this emotional feud going on? Why couldn't it have been just an open challenge? Why did he have to have Cassidy lose to him twice? Why did Cassidy get banished to the buy-in show? That's what I was trying to tell you guys earlier. None of this makes sense, whether you're a casual fan watching this or you watch it because you're forced to watch it for your show and you don't get paid for it. And you're really going to have to probably go into therapy for it later on. But <laughs> just, that's what I just don't get. It's like they're right. It's all over the fucking place. And it's like no one knows what the hell to do. And it's like I've seen fan fiction writers have more organization than this. So why Orange Cassidy and um, Silver got put to the buy-in because originally the women's match was supposed to be on the buy-in like they did last time, and people made such an uproar about it. They moved the women's match to the main um, the main card, but they had to put something on the buy-in. When you look at all the matches that happened, the most important match was unfortunately Cassidy and Silver. So that's why they got moved to the buy-in and they had all the belt matches that were on the pay-per-view main card. If I recall, in regards to Nyla Rose and um, um, yeah, she did earn a stat slot. She, she got she was in something and she was named the number one contender after she won the match. So they didn't just slap it together this time. She did yeah. earn the right to be able. Compete for that title, right? Well, then I forgot she was number one contender then. Yes, she, she was. But I, I, I never negated what you were saying. What I said was when we we talked about this in the chat, and I just was like, I'm not, I'm not really like going back and forth about it, or like I'm not like trying to rack my brain about it because. AEW is known for stopping a feud and ending a feud just cold and not moving forward with it. So we, we're well aware of this. That's why it doesn't shock me anymore. I don't really get, I don't really ask the questions because there are no answers because they move on to another feud and do the same thing. In and Orange I- Cassidy's case, he did end his feud with Cody. He may have lost it. But I don't, I, I don't see anything wrong with that necessarily. I know that Orange Cassidy should have, you feel like Orange Cassidy should have been the guy, but it doesn't always work out that way, if that makes sense. 
I think they did that to give Cody a substantial opponent, which Orange Cassidy gave him that. And that's that's where they were at with it. I didn't have a problem with Darby Allen beating Cody Rhodes today. I mean, Saturday. I really didn't. I thought it was great because I felt like finally Darby Allen gets the belt. They're moving on out of this realm of Cody holding this mid-card division down and finally focusing on the guys who are already becoming AEW superstars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, and then, like, I'm very non-pulse about it, because, honestly, if you want to be, keep it real, um, WWE is king of just dropping storylines. Exactly. Yep. For, for no reason. Literally, they could be like, you know what, I just don't want to do this no more. And they would, and they would just completely drop the storyline. So... I'm not really, I so I'm not really as invested in that portion about like the random drop storylines because as I said, I was like, I guess I can't really criticize them for that because eight because WWE does the same thing, so I have to keep that same energy. So I can't, I'm not gonna like fault them too much. They did wrap it up in a sense, honestly. If they, him and Orange wrestled again, I would just been like, no, I'm over it. Like how he was with Jericho. I'm like, okay, no, let's let's move on. This is doing too much. Um, Go ahead. And for the woman, I already saw. I need to do that with. Um, just plain and simple. Um, and I'm not too. See, I think I. So I don't necessarily really like Darby that much. I don't hate him. I just I don't know. I just don't connect with him. But I'm glad he won. Yeah. I'm glad anybody won. That's not Cody. Um. <laughs> The women's division bothers me, but I don't need to go on about that. I talk about it all the time. Um, I I, I about That's what I'm. That's what I would be mad about. Like me like, personally, I yes, the the AW women's division is just abysmal. They have a really great women that are in the back, and it's just. When it comes to, like, the TNT title, I never saw, like, when I was talking about people holding the title, I would say Cassidy's name. Because I feel like he can get to that point where he can be the TNT champion. I just never saw him being the one to have it after Cody. In in my mind, Darby Allen should have been the first person to have that title to begin with. I feel like that TNT title really, that, like, they work, that would work together for me. So I was just like, okay, he won the title. Um, I also believe that the reason why Orange Cassidy was brought into that field code is he was coming off of this, like, hot streak he was having with, like, Jericho, and, like, they were building him up. And if you also look at it, when you look at the Lumberjack match, he basically got put into the program with Dark Order, with Silver, who, in, in reality, out of all of the members there, he's, like, one of the hottest members that is like picking up really good steam, and their matchup they had in the buying was really good. So he has this like other storyline that they're working with with the Dark Order. And yeah, like Darby Allen could have went and like cut promos and all that, but his character is this brooding, I'm mad at the world kind of dude who yeah. just sit there and stare at you like a creeper. So him like cutting promos and like aging Cody on wouldn't necessarily for me fit with this character. He's more the guy that sits at the top of the rafter just looking at you, basically saying with his eyes, it's going to happen. I'm coming for you. And then if you look at the past stuff that Cody and Darby had in the beginning when AEW was like, and it was starting, there was some kind of a storyline there because Darby Allen couldn't put Cody away. And now he finally has his comeuppance where, you know, he finally puts Cody away. So for me, AEW, they try to cater to everyone but in reality the majority of the time they're catering to their hardcore fans so like you would have to watch every single episode 
to understand that. And that's how they like basically go around with their episodes where it's like, you have to watch it all the time to understand what's, what's going on. Do they pander to casual? Yes. But to me, their no. main fame oh. base, their main fan base is like the hardcore stands that watch them every week. And that's how, if you like, don't like, like me, I like to be a detective and like, look at stuff and I was watching AW more so back when it started you would see there is some kind of a storyline with Darby and Cody that happened earlier in the year that was like stopped and then they, they brought it back full circle and so for me when you look at um, Moxley and um, Omega I'm okay with that because we're getting Omega the cleaner too for me who's more um not visceral, but who's, who's a little bit, who's different than the Omega that we've been getting in the beginning. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be some kind of stipulation of a match because Moxley is the purveyor of violence. So that's that's what he knows. I do think Omega is going to take that title off of Moxley. But I also think, what was that, Nicole? <laughs> As he should. And I also think is if you looked at the FTR match with the uh, Young Bucks, when Mock when Omega came out with, and was hanging out with uh, FTR, not FTR, the Young Bucks, in the far right corner, um, Hangman was standing at like the stage in the corner, staring at them. So, uh, yeah. So first time around, like you may have not noticed that, but I noticed it. So in my mind, I think Moxley is going to drop it to um, Omega, but I think Hangman's going to be the one to take it off of Omega. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that either. And like I said, this is the only time clean Kenny Omega is when I'm a fan of Kenny Omega. So I don't know. Our listeners will probably be very shocked in the next coming weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that cleaner Omega, and then the Omega that you got with AW Dynamite. They're told they're so different. Like the Omega on Dynamite is it was very watered down, but the cleaner Omega, that was like something to behold. You're like, oh, he's about to fuck some shit. So, and again, I think the Moxley and Omega fight, because I'm pretty sure they're gonna save it for a pay per view. Like you wouldn't put that on a regular Dynamite. You would put that on a pay per view. I think that's gonna be a, like a banger of a match. And again, I think Hangman, he's gonna come in and scoop that belt off. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be the AEW. Um, cleaner Kenny Omega is he was in his bag when he was in New Japan, especially when he was cleaner and the leader of Bullet Club. This is when I was like, okay, I was like, I can get behind this guy. Um, and no offense, Alexis, and I know you'll probably hate me for this. I'm very tired of John Moxley. Um, I'm just, I'm really bored of him. If I don't have to see him for a month, I'd be okay with it. I'm just sick of his stipulation matches. I'm sick of those pants. I'm sick. I just want, I just want some some fucking variety. And I know he's been trying his best, but I'm just uh uh-uh. uh. He got pack it up. Go help Renee with that cookbook. Are you asking? <laughs> I I I will say I do agree with you, Alexis, that it is odd that they just stop and start and stop and start. But we have experienced it in other companies with WWE and um it is very, very disheartening. But in Orange Cassidy's case, is yeah, I get it. It would make sense to drop the title to him. He was hot at the moment, everybody was behind him. But I don't think that AEW was ready to give Orange Cassidy the title at that moment. That doesn't mean that later on down the line he won't get one. I just think that right now they were focused on, I I think honestly that they were trying to exacerbate and really push Darby Allen's shit to the forefront. So it was already, it was already bubbling to the surface with Ricky Starks and with um, Brian Cage, but then it it started to get full, just getting a full beat of gas when they gave him the title, and then you've got Cage attacking him, and Ricky Starks was cutting promos up until I think well a few weeks ago on Darby Allen completely. So 
I, I understand your frustration, and I'm not negating it at all. And I don't think Alexis, I mean, I don't think Janae and Nicole are either. It's oh, just, no, you just, yeah, yeah you just get just used, you, you just get I, used to it about it because I I'm so and this isn't good we shouldn't be conditioned with it it's like WWD does it so often I feel like they when they do it it's 10 times as worse yeah like you would literally when I say WWE would drop a storyline like you could like say next Tuesday they would be like oh yeah you're supposed to find out who uh, Ricochet's baby daddy is and then Next Monday, Ricochet, who the person was supposed to be Ricochet's baby daddy, got fucking drafted to SmackDown. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Quick editor's note here, ladies and gents. I just wanted to come to you guys and make a quick announcement about two things we're excited about. So, number one, we are currently available and distributed on Apple Podcasts. That's right, ladies and gents, all you iPhone users out there who wanted to listen to Down for the Count on your iPhone, and I have been getting some DMs about it, and we're finally available on Apple Podcasts. We're very happy, we're very excited, and we're glad because Apple Podcasts has a very wide reach, and through Anchor, we were able to distribute our podcast easily and efficient, so we we love Anchor, we thank them for that, and of course, of course, We are beyond excited about the new people that will catch our podcast and listen to it and follow us. So we are forever grateful and we thank you all so much for being a part of this and we love you guys. Now on to the next piece of exciting news. The next piece is our one-fourth of our co-host, Janae. She's our girl. She's the one who helps us gather all that information. So big shout out to her. Janae's going to be writing our blog for us. Now, on occasion, one of us will write the blogs out. But for the most part, Janae's going to be giving you guys the blow-by-blow for each episode of Raw, NXT, NXT UK, AEW, and SmackDown, okay? Now, on occasion, we may miss an episode or two. Don't freak out, okay? We are still going to do some minimal reviews on our podcast as well, but majority of the blow-by-blow for the shows will be on our blogs. And don't forget, we're going to have some other content on there as well. We're going to be reviewing older stuff from WWE's vault of um, shows. We're going to be talking about the big four pay-per-views. We may even do some pieces and writing stuff. You may see some stuff from Alexis, from me, and Nicole, and we're always going to get stuff from Janae. So we have our blog up. It will be in our description box of our podcast. If you really want the link to it, don't sweat it. It will be linked in our Instagram um, profile as well as in our um, Twitter profile. So you can go there and read all of the blogs and read everything that we have coming out in store. Now, as you know, we take a yearly break. So after Survivor Series, that is where we will have our break and we will start up again in January right around Royal Rumble time. So I hope you guys are ready for our last episode of Down for the Count. I think we have something decent planned, but I wanted to make sure I gave you guys these little announcements in the middle of the show just to get you guys prepared and let you know that it's coming. If something drastic happens between now and January after we do our final episode and after Survivor Series, we will do a special podcast for you guys so you guys can, you know, see everything and hear our thoughts and all that good stuff. Alrighty. So we'll see you guys back in the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the growth of Down for the Count. And this is only the beginning, baby. We're only going to get bigger and better. So we'll see you guys in there. <laughs> what? Like that for baby daddy. I was like, they really did that. They really did that, though. Right. (laughs) And, like, one of the things, too, for me is, like, I would not want for them to drop the belt to Orange Cassidy. Because, again, Darby Allen was going to be the plan to take that belt. That means if you would have gave the belt to Orange Cassidy, he would have dropped it a month later to Darby Allen after his pay-per-view. So, and it's just one of those things, like, I I would rather wait until... You know, even though Orange Cassidy is probably like, as far as fans, him and Darby, some other people are like up there where the fans really love him. If you're going to give the belt to Orange Cassidy, because I think he can do really good things with it with his character, I would give yeah. it to him. He 
can hold it for a good amount of time. And so we're going to probably see Darby Allen hold that belt for a while. He'll probably go through Brian Cage. We're going to see a really awesome program with him and Ricky Starks because that is going to be top tier, in my opinion. Um, Brian Brian Cage for us. I don't care what nobody says. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I think we might get another, once Orange Cassidy is done with the feud he's in with the Dark Order, we'll probably see um, him and Darby go at it, or maybe Darby might end up dropping it to um, Ricky Starks. But at this point in time, like, Orange Cassidy would not have had that belt very long. He would have had it past 30 days, and then he would have dropped it. And then you'd be really mad. <laughs> you'd be really pissed. A lot of people. All that I'm just, and I, I know WWE does this shit a lot. I know they do it a lot. Hell, they're going to probably drop Retribution in a month, and then they're going to act like nothing ever fucking happened. You're right. I get that. I am desensitized to WWE being complete jack-offs who don't know how to do their fucking jobs either. But, and yes, I'm a little biased. But when you have a company that comes out of the gate, promising all this shit and you've been on tv for a year which is a very big deal for an indie should we even call it an indie promotion at this point anymore they're not they're mainstream yeah okay which is big for a for a beginning wrestling company to not only be on cable which tnt is basic cable now fight me i don't care what anyone says but you have a decent slot at 8 p.m. You have two hours. You have a show on YouTube, which I noticed was under an hour today. Thank Jesus. Probably might watch it. I don't know. You came out of the gate to saying this, 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 and this. It's been a year, and you guys can't get your shit together. And it's like, I don't watch this for the elite. I don't care about the young fucks. I don't care. Because what did they do? They, they This whole rivalry started because of something stupid that was said on a, on a web show that only the elite fans watch. I'm sorry. That's all who fucking watches it. Wow. And they watch it, they watch it on repeat. And like, oh, for me, it's but it's just like they don't know what they're doing. Like when you look at, go ahead. I know Darby couldn't be like scary or whatever, but he could be cutting promos. I forgot Darby Allen was the number one contender for his for Cody's title. I just they have they have the talent. They have. They don't need to depend on. I will say this. Congratulations, Darby. You are the third non-WXWWE guy to hold an AEW title. Congratulations on that. The but, thing is, Darby's character, his character is not really the guy that goes in the ring and cuts promos, though. He's rooting. He, he has done promos. He's done pre-taped promos. He's done it in black and white. He's done promos before. Those are pre-taped live promos, like, in the ring. He's the guy that sits in the back of the bleachers. Like he wasn't even doing the pre-taped shit. They just showed <laughs> him sitting up there, sitting like an emo crow, sting wannabe. That's what I'm saying. Just, just that, if just that, at a bare minimum, would have sufficed for her. And, I, yeah, it would have it would have sufficed, but I think they were just going with the, if it's a pre-taped thing, where he's, like, doing a body bag off of a skateboard and fucking getting his back broke half the time, which he's not going to be able to wrestle in like five fucking years. He's just destroying his body. But like on air, like on live TV and stuff like that, when he's like actually there, like to me, like I don't, he's just that weird kid. I don't even want to say a kid because he's a grown ass man. He's that weird dude that just stares at you. You want to call the cops on him because he's freaking He's freaking you out. And when it comes to like AEW, it's being ran by, and this is not an excuse. This is the reason why it's the way it is. It's being ran by a bunch of people that has never done a lot, like ran a live television. The owner has no idea what's going on. So he's taking cues from ex WWE people that 
are that were promised a bunch of stuff and and like they never got it. So look at them. Like I remember Jericho was like, we're gonna give them medical benefits and we're gonna do this and and, and we're gonna do that. And it's just like, no, you're not. You shouldn't even have said that to begin with because you know that's that's gonna happen. So you have a bunch of people who know nothing really about TV running a TV show and they wonder why people complain that they're shit they're fucking up. Like camera angle. I have to, I don't know, Janae. I feel like all of these people that work with WWE, we've been in WWE long enough to know how shit works. They know. that that's a cop out. Know what fucking camera side is. That is the first that is one of the first things that they teach you when you go to the fucking performance center. Literally. Is they teach you, they have you do rolls, bumps, and they teach you where the fuck camera side is. There's yep. no excuse for that. I'm and especially from well, guys like Dean Lisa and I guarantee you young they don't know how to run TV. But they got guys back there who are telling them what to do. But they obviously don't know what to do either because look how it's ran. No, I don't agree with that. I I don't. I think they're running it like an indie promotion on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. This is not not done because they don't know what they're doing. This is done on purpose so they don't look like WWE. Exactly. So they don't look like they're trying to copy Impact. They're doing it on purpose. Because there's no way. It's like really done. WE or Impact, it's get the damn proper camera angles right. I'm telling you, they're doing it like that on purpose. There is no way somebody like Dean Malenko, you got Tully Blanchard, and he was like he's about to die every time he come out there. You've got Jake the Snake back there. you got all of these ex-WWE guys from the early 90s to late 80s uh. and the 2000s. You're trying to convince me that they don't know how to run a television program after working with WWE for more than 10 plus years. They're not, they don't know how to do it. Then they're, they're just stupid. I'm no, telling you that they that know how to do it. They're doing it on purpose. They've said that. I don't know if it was Cody or Tony or someone that they, they shoot like that. So they don't, they, they purposely shoot like that. It's not a mistake. They literally purposely shoot like that. So they can set themselves apart. And that's what I'm saying. So I was like, I know they know camera, side and camera, because it's like, if even I know, I could be able to sit in a ring and be like, okay, this is where the fucking TV is going to be staying at. They know they're just doing it because they're trying to have a different looking pro- program because they want it to look, quote unquote, well, sports oriented. I was like, but at least I said, well, that doesn't make sense because UFC has good camera angles. Yeah. Yeah. And they're literally in a ring like you are. So don't use that excuse of me. And they they just do like weird fucking angles, like an unfocused weird stuff like you're at an indie show, which is fine if you're an indie show. uh, But if you're on primetime television, it's not like, you're going to have to conform in some certain way. You're going to have to find something that works for you that you'll be able to keep your identity. And I don't know how to do that yet. That's why they're the mess. They have the right people. They Them people know what they're doing, but they don't know how to execute it right. That's the issue. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I'm, I just, I can't believe that they don't know what to do when they learned what to do in the other places that they wrestled. Well, maybe you're well aware. Maybe I should have worded it better, but that's what I mean. Like they, you should know how to execute it. Right. Like you have all that knowledge from other promotions. You should know how to do that. They do, but they don't know how to do. So I get what you're saying, but they're, they're not doing it because they don't know how to do it without looking like those products. Like they don't know how to, set things up so it doesn't look too WWE. They don't know how to set things up so they look too much like New Japan. They haven't figured out what worked for them, which is their fault because they should be experimenting. Instead of just doing weird shit, they can experiment and do like, you know what, let's film it this way on this week. Let's see how it looks. If you don't like it, we'll scrap it and try something else. 
they honestly the way they filmed with their pay-per-views the first half of the year was fine i i was just i was like why didn't you guys keep this i'm like what was the problem this is my shit i give cw i give it to WWE. kevin dunn is the worst camera producer ever no, and they use so for their dub for their pay per views. I I don't remember they done in wrestling. They use that high ramp that goes straight. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, is they it like use, that thing they do in football where it's like really high and it goes like the span of like the football field? Yeah, they need yeah. to use that. Set, they need to use that setup all the time. They yeah, didn't like they started doing that recently. Yeah. I really liked when when they first came out with All Out and they had um they had their pay-per-view last year, that very first one, and the way that they structured their pay-per-views after that, the look of it, I liked. I didn't have a problem with it. They had a lot of lights. You could see everything. Their camera angles were fine. They weren't trying to, you know, be all crazy. The only thing that was off was commentary. Everything else was perfect. I don't understand what happened. From that to now, I don't understand what was going on. Is it just, it's like they, they lost some camera people or their production didn't stick from when they were doing the pay-per-views? I was just like, well, it just seems like night and day here. What's happening? It's Chris Jericho. Because on the, oh on the AWs, his name came up and he was in charge of all the cameras. Especially camera number four. What? On the special Jericho episode, they did like the credits and he was in charge of all the cameras. And, like they had his, it was trying, they were trying to be funny. And he was basically in charge of like all the cameras and stuff. And then um, Jim Ross was like, or was it Taz made like an emphasis of him really being in charge of like camera number four. Wow. But is that just or is that was that just something that was like literally just for an episode? Yeah, it was just for an episode. I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> I was like, wait, what no, happened? Just yeah. it was just for that episode, that Chris Jericho anniversary episode. Oh well, that's I mean that's fine for shit like that. Like you know you you could do some comedy with it. I I didn't know if you I didn't know you were making a joke. I thought you were being serious. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alexis, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just listening to y'all. Yeah, so I don't know. They know what they they know what to do. They just why is this cat sleeping like this? <laughs> no, they just, like, just the most frustration is just like my mom said this a couple of weeks ago and made perfect freaking sense to me. She goes, "You can't put no, wasn't my mom? No, it was my my." husband's friend yesterday he goes if you want to take something he, he goes you can hire a demolition team or you can hire and it made sense at the time he's like or you can just get a bunch of toddlers running around or like any kids between the ages of three and seven give them weapons and watch them break something and to me it just seems like that's what we're doing we're seeing a bunch of people who either are surrounding themselves with yes men or they think they know everything and they're going around running around got doing god knows what because i would love to be a fly on the wall in aew right now i really would but you have just this guy wanting to do this this person's doing this meanwhile your women's division is stagnant but Let's bring in the NWA women and have them on our shows wrestle instead of trying to build up our women's division. Um, I was confused about that. I didn't understand that, but, you know, go off. I I get it. Maybe they have a partnership. It looks like they got a partnership with Impact or they're getting ready to start one. And then they keep popping up. Then with the media scrum that they had after the paper group pay-per-view tony khan was saying that him and billy Cor- Cor- corbin is that his name mm-hmm. billy like corgan billy corgan billy corgan they um they are they're in like they're talking uh, they're talking with each other to be able to like have nwa and like aw stuff so like tony khan goes directly to billy 
when it comes to like certain things. So it, I don't think it's like a contractual partnership, but there's some form of something going on um, in WA. Okay, great for them. But it's like, and I get it. You have, you want to show Allison K. You want to show Thunder Rosa. That's great. But again, you come out of the gate saying we're going to have the best women's division. You get women wrestlers. But all we see, and this is just my frustration coming out, because I do like AEW. I like the people who were there. I want to see them do good. But I will continue to point out problems and the people who I think are causing those problems. You, you do nothing with your women's division. Every champion you've had, except SCU and now Darby Allen, has some way, shape, or form used to be an ex WWE guy. You keep bringing in ex-WWE guys when you don't need them to. I understand they're your friends and they need a paycheck. Kenny does it with his friends all the time. I get it. But it's just like you don't – you needed to keep up with the promises that you you said you were going to do. Where is your women's division? Where is your – What's the word I'm looking for? I, I'm I'm a little hungover from last night still. Where's, where's like all the the people you promised to show us? You know why is why did you wait this long to pull the trigger on Sunny Kiss? Where's your diversity, man? Like that, that was one of the things that I know Alexa's gonna agree that she's heard she's heard me bitch and complain about millions of times where it's just like you started your show off with these great indie wrestlers that were, you know, the focal point of your show, they're the reasons why, like, you had the eyes on you, and as we start to see you bring in more ex-WWE people, we start to see a little bit less of these, like, indie indie wrestlers, and it's just kind of like, again, you have a really great women's division, and it's like a saying where it's like, worry about the shit in your own backyard before you start doing other things, and it's like they need to worry about their backyard of their women's division and bringing it up to par before they start trying to work with, you know, NWA or any other, you know, wrestling company that's out there. Like, and get your house in order first. All of it, the kitchen, the bedroom, the bathroom, the hallways, the porch, get all of that in order before you start trying to work on somebody else's house, basically. I agree. But here, here's where you're, you're never going to – that's not going to happen. I want to tell you that right now. It's not going to happen. Prepare yourself for it not to happen. I And I genuinely don't believe that this is going to work out in um, AEW's favor with NWA. Not to say that they can't make this work, but AEW is – they're already overloaded as it is oh, with God, the talent God. that they have. And then you're adding in NWA, and I, if you bring the guys like Nick Aldis and um, their top guys into the AEW, and you get to see the cross matches and all that good stuff, I, I don't know. I see people leaving, and when NWA starts working again, and they decide to sever ties or keep it going, whatever works for them. I'm curious as to how it would work once, one, number one. And number two, I see people leaving and going to the various promotions, and that could cause a problem. And um, I called it. I, I, yeah, and Tony Khan did put out a statement about, um, you know, shutting down them going to various promotions to wrestle because he has to tighten up on the superstars and where they go. And that's to protect their, their company, to stop the COVID spread as well, because they're interacting with people in different companies, smaller indie companies, and it has to be a reason for why you leave. And Janae was, she was one of the first and very vocal, as was Alexis and Nicole, about AEW um, allowing the wrestlers to wrestle with other companies. I, be, I remember very vividly we had a conversation before Janae came in and she was voicing her opinion. Nicole was very much like Moxley got injured and it's partially because he was wrestling for AEW and then leaving and going and doing stuff in New Japan 
and doing all that extra shit as well as doing the indie scene. That exacerbated the injury and made it worse. And then he didn't go rehab or get it fixed. He went and finished what he started and then went and got it fixed. That messed up his full gear match. What was it supposed to be last year? That messed up that. That 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 put a derailment on his career in WWE, and not in WWE, but in AEW. And that's one of the reasons why WWE doesn't allow the superstars to wrestle for other companies, among other selfish reasons. Okay, so I I get it and I understand it. And but at the same time, if this should have been implemented the minute COVID nineteen came about, that should have been implemented right then, because you could have stopped the spread of COVID. Completely, um, especially amongst your superstars, have you had focus more on that? It seems like Tony Khan likes to be that all-inclusive guy, the guy who's like, "Yeah, sure, dude, we're friends, we're gonna do this," and he's not really thinking. You're, you have to use your head. I understand that you are a fan of wrestling, and now you're a part of it. You get to make it. You get to, you know, get fans behind it. You're creating another niche for wrestling fans. I'm appreciative for that. But what I want from you, sir, is for you to, one, grow up. You have to grow up. You cannot operate in this business like a teenager looking at your favorite toy in the window. Because it doesn't work that way. You will get used. You will be walked on. And I don't care how many times people look you in the eye. If somebody wants to lie to you about what they want to do, that's what they're going to do. They're going to lie. They're going to lie and say, yeah, sure, everything's fine. Tell me, you know me, man, I would never lie to you. And then they come back and they come in contact with someone who has COVID. And you're like, well, <clears throat> he looked me in the eye, so <laughs> it's all that matters. No, man, like, protect the sanctity of your company. That's what you do. Use your head. You may not have ran a company before, but it's actually very simple. If you want to ensure that your product has longevity, you have to protect your product, right? Right. Simple thing. Your product happens to be people who put on a show for fans. So what do you do? You protect the health of your superstars to ensure that they can provide that entertainment for your consumer, even if it means you have to protect them from themselves. That's not difficult. That's just smart business. Yeah, like one of the questions I wanted to ask Nicole, and we can like move on or whatever, is in your opinion, um, once the world is safe from COVID nineteen, and we can go back to normal, and you can, and all the wrestling promotions can open up again, do you see an exit of AEW wrestlers? Because as of right now, their contracts are based are like if they want to leave they're free to leave like they won't try to keep them or whatever do you see like an exit of a chunk of the indie talent leaving AEW um honestly mate probably at least a decent amount um I don't think it'll be a lot I feel like it'd be like one or two but I don't think it'll be, like, a mass amount of people, like, leaving. But I can see, like, a couple here or there leaving. But I don't think it'll be, like, a huge thing, though. So what it seems like, even with the COVID thing, Tony Khan, like Tiff was saying, he's going to put a stop to them going to other indie shows. And the only shows they can go to are the shows that he approves. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with the shows that he approves, even if, like, COVID is, like, we're good with COVID, there's still going to be precautions. So in my mind, I'm thinking, like, with AEW, they were just like, hey, we're going to allow them to do indie shows and work outside AEW. But it seems now Tony Khan is just like, I have to get, because he was saying in the interview, he's like, I have to get strict with this to where it has to be approved shows. There has to be a good reason as to why they're going to the show. So they just can't go to a show. It has to be a reason for it. So I feel like that would cut out a lot of the indie shows because I'm not saying they're there's not a good reason to go to the indie show, but I feel like he's well on the line. But if it's not like a title match or another match with a big indie star or a promotion that has worked with AEW or just a big promotion in general, 
that he might not let them go. Oh, honestly, that's within his right, and he should have been doing that. Because if he did that, Max Mox probably wouldn't have gotten staph infection. Um, and and to be honest, a lot of them aren't. Some of them are doing like smaller indie stuff, but a lot of them are doing like the bigger shows, like specifically like GCW, and that's why they've had so many COVID problems. Because that's just such a hotbed of people. Um, I think Tony is within his right to do it. He should have been done it, in my opinion. Um, I get he doesn't want to seem like he's pigeonholing them and he has a little bit of open borders. But you're paying these people these fucking money. And they're coming. And then you have to, like, quarantine, like, when they got back from the GCW show, like, he, like, um, Joey Janela had a quarantine, um, so many people, like, they have so many issues, so it's kind of like, what's the point? I think some of them realize that, like, okay, now, like, you're signed on a company, you should... Like, you should have some responsibilities. Like, what well, like what the fuck is the point of you doing some random indie show with 50 people and exposing yourself and potentially exposing other people and then getting off of TV for a week or so? I kind of get what Tony Khan's doing, but then at the same, like, I understand, like, right now, but it's like, when it's safe to travel... And I'll just make this short. When it's safe to travel and people want to go to New Japan and they're going to tell them, no, you can't go to New Japan, that is going to cause a lot of fucking issues. That's what I think. Because you know Mox is want to go back to right. New Japan. Mox is going to want to go to New Japan. A lot of these guys like I really think Miro would be a good fit in Japan, but you're, but I would be like, well, I'm technically a comes back to that independent contractor. Why should you tell me where I can and can't go? The same to WWE. No, but it's still a business, Alexis, unfortunately, and they still have to protect the integrity of their. I'll be less boring over there. Yeah. Real talk, I don't think they should be telling people where they should and shouldn't go either. But given the circumstances, I think this is okay. And he should have done it months ago. Considering the fact that COVID-19 is still out there. You can't just go out and do do what you want and then don't expect retaliation when you do it. Because if you're putting wrestlers out at risk, so you can go do what you want to do, then I'm going to sit your ass down. You're not going to be wrestling in my promotion and you can't follow my rules. I don't give a damn if you are an independent contractor. I have to protect my product. Damn what's going on with everybody else. That's just how he has to be. I'm not saying he has to be ruthless like Vince McMahon, but he do need to be protective of his product. He can't be everybody's friend. He has to be their boss because that's what he is. Well, ladies and gents, that's all we got. We ain't got no more. Just to be fair and to be clear, I know sometimes we can be a little hard on AEW, but the simplest explanation is that we want the best for the company and for the superstars, and sometimes that requires harsh critiques. So try not to think of it as we're hating on the company, but more so wanting it to succeed, so we're trying to give it as much feedback, whether it be good or bad, as possible. So we're going to be strenuous. We're going to be difficult. And it's all because we're good. We're wrestling fans and we want the best for the superstars. We want them to have longevity and we want this company to survive, not only for their sake, but for the fans' sake, because it seems to be a fan favorite and we want them to be able to enjoy the product for long term. And the things that we say, in our opinion, is a suggestion to encourage long term um, for the company to be long-term, excuse me. So we just, I just want to make sure we make that clear 
for you guys. Now, if you want to follow us on our social media platforms, you definitely can. You can follow us on Twitter at d 4 tc underscore podcast actually that's our instagram you can follow us on twitter at down for the count 19 now if you want to send us a message you can on anchor if you're hearing us on apple or google Podcasts, or anchor or spotify or wherever you hear us outside of anchor you can always hit us up through anchor and send us a voice message and you guys might be included in our episode especially if it's a suggestion suggested topic um unless you don't use anchor and you want to just hit us up and have the conversation of course you can always contact us via twitter or on our instagram i try to post the topics on instagram so that you guys can interact with us through there so don't forget at d4tc underscore podcast is our instagram i got it right this time and at down for the count 19 is our twitter Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Down for the Count. And don't forget to look out for the second episode, which is going to be our wrestling news recap. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you guys next time.